Hello, hola, and konnichiwa. I am your host, Dan Ugambi Vreeland, and this is the Prelim Primer, the one and only podcast fully dedicated to the Curtain Jerkers. I, of course, am talking about those fighting on the prelims of upcoming UFC fight cards. This weekend is a fight card that some people are kind of a little bit down on. We've got I versus Calvillo in the main event. We've also got Marvin Vittori versus Carl Roberson in the co-main event. But as you guys know, we are focused a little bit further down on the card here on the prelim primer. We are just going to be breaking down the prelim portion of the card. Now, for those of you who are new to the show, you might be asking yourself, why just break down the prelims? Why not break down the entire fight card or or at least the fights that seemingly are at the top of these big cards? And the reason is pretty simple, is that we think that you've probably got a lot of information on those main card bouts. You've probably already got some feelings, some really strong feelings about who you want to bet on or maybe put in your daily fantasy lineups. But you probably don't know that much about the prelims, and that's really where you can get some really good value on prelim fights in your betting and in your daily fantasy. So we're going to here to help you out with that. But before we do, i got to remind you that this episode of the Prelim Primer is brought to you by Maroon Social, M-A-R-U-N-E. Maroon Social is the one and only social media app for the martial arts enthusiast. Whether you do jiu-jitsu, judo, sambo, or whatever it is you do, we've got you covered because they are going to give you a chance to track your training, to log different skills, to make yourself have notes so that you know what to go back to and you know what to fix. And if you're not training right now because of the whole coronavirus, they've actually got a way that you can log all of your exercise sessions. So it is the one-stop shop to put all of your exercise and log it and make sure you're making the progress you want. So make sure to head on over to Maroon Social, wherever it is you download apps. Now, of course, I could not do this breakdown without the help of a savvy co-host joining me today from my MMA News, one of our all-time favorite co-hosts, Kristen King. Kristen, thanks so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. You know how much I enjoy doing this stuff with you. And we certainly enjoy having you. As you guys know, we're going to start round number one by putting five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Maria Agapova versus Hannah Cyphers, a bout that was just made. Agapova lost to Tracy Cortez back on the Contender Series, but since then won two straight for Invicta, both by first-round TKO. Hannah Cyphers, meanwhile, is on a two-fight losing streak. She had a TKO loss to Angela Hill. She got knee-barred by Mackenzie Dern just two weeks ago. Now, I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I'm going to say Hannah Cyphers looked really good in that Mackenzie Dern fight until she decided to grapple with her. I even think she probably would have won that fight if she just disengaged. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I feel the exact same way. I thought Hannah Cyphers started off very, very strong, and then when she made that decision to get down there and grapple with Mackenzie Dern, of all people, uh, I thought that was a very bad mistake uh, on Cyphers' part. So hopefully that is not repeated against uh, Maria Agapova. She's also very well-versed on the ground, but I don't know if she's on the exact same level as Mackenzie Dern. So I don't see Hannah Cyphers either shooting in or looking for a takedown. So hopefully this can remain standing because as we've seen before from Hannah, she definitely has some pop in her punches. She's definitely, she has power. So hopefully she just remains standing and she won't make the same mistake again. But I will say Mackenzie Dern definitely set the blueprint for that. If she does shoot, I think Maria Agapova is comfortable enough on the ground to start immediately looking for a submission. So hopefully Hannah doesn't make that same mistake twice. But if she does, it's at the benefit of Agapova. And that's a good point, too. Like, you're 100% right. I think she laid a good blueprint that if Cyphers decides to try some top game stuff, Agapova is good enough off of her back that she could potentially sub her as well. But here's the question now. If it does stay on the feet, who's got the advantage there? 
I'm going to say Cyphers does. I think Agapova has an excellent background in kickboxing. That's what gives her her uh, some of her X factors, I guess you could say. But as far as Cyphers goes, I think that she's much more comfortable in striking. And if she pressures Agapova enough, I think that'd be a dangerous problem for her. I know Hannah Cyphers has been looking for a finish in her UFC career. She hasn't gotten it yet. That could potentially open up against Agapova. She just needs to stay in her face, keep going with those combinations that we've known from Hannah Seifers, and maybe we could see a finish. And, and I think what's really interesting about that, too, is right. You're, you're talking about her staying in the face. It is the smaller cage, which should make it easier to stay in Agapova's face. So we're at the part where I got to ask you for a prediction. Who do you got and how do you got him? You know what? I'm going to go with Hannah Seifers by... Let's go second round technical knockout. It sounds crazy, but I think she can pull it off. All right. I'm going to go with Hannah Cypher Sue, and I'm going to go with her by decision. Uh, I like that you, you've got the confidence in the finish, but I, I just don't really see it here. And that brings us to our second fight, which is Charles Rosa versus Kevin Aguilar. Charles Rosa, one and two in his last three. He got knocked out by Shane Burgos, but then he tapped out Manny Bermudez and was just about a month ago worked over in a decision loss by Bryce Mitchell. Aguilar started 2-0 in the UFC. He's now on a two-fight losing streak with losses to Dan Ige and Zabira Tukugov, uh, the latter of which was by knockout. So a, a lot of people were hyped on Kevin Aguilar right from the start. They, they saw him as a real uh, potential threat in the division, and now some of that's gone away. Do you think there's still a knife there to be hyped on him, or, or are we kind of you know supposed to see what has been exposed of him? You know what? Kevin Aguilar is the kind of guy that no matter what, there's going to be just a small amount of hype behind him because he has the power in his hands to knock out many people in his division. It's just he needs to let his hands go, which he typically does. And eventually you'll get this insane knockout that he's been known to produce in the past. So I think he'll still have a little bit of hype behind him. Um, I know he's coming in here off of a loss, but so is Charles Rosa. So I guess we'll have to see which way either man is going to take the fight. But I haven't given up on Kevin Aguilar just yet. I think he still has a little bit of work to do, but I think he could be a potential problem at, at, at 145. Well, and I like that you pointed out, too, that the hype comes from his big knockout power because that, that's really the dynamic of this fight, too, right? Like Charles Rosa, incredible grappler, regardless of what happened mm -hmm. to him against Bryce Mitchell, who, who has shown us that he is just a new level of grappler for this division even. And Kevin Aguilar coming in here with the big punching power. So how do you see this one going? Is there any chance that Rosa gets him to the mat? And if so, what does that look like? Yeah, you know what? I was thinking about that a lot. Um, Rosa is definitely, I would give him credit for his striking as well, but I don't think that he wants to stay on the feet against someone like Kevin Aguilar, who we just said can knock out just about anybody. So if he does eventually get him on the ground, because I, I'm not entirely sure if we've totally seen Kevin Aguilar on the ground in trouble on the ground so if he does get him there that could be a problem because rosa is a very skilled grappler and he will definitely start working on those submissions i think what happened was between him and bryce mitchell it was who's the better grappler out of the two and even though charles rosa is definitely one of those names that you think of when you think of pure grappler bryce mitchell was just a little bit better i don't think charles rosa is going to have that problem if he is able to get kevin aguilar to the ground kevin aguilar is more than likely going to want to keep the fight standing but if Rosa eventually does get that takedown, it could be a long night for Kevin Aguilar. I would expect Charles Rosa to start looking up for some, some submissions immediately. So I, for my pick in this fight, and this one is hard a little bit because Aguilar is not the easiest person to put away. And I can definitely see Charles Rosa tiring out, which is to the advantage of Aguilar. But I'm going to pick Charles Rosa by way of unanimous decision. 
I actually am going to go the same exact way. I, I'm kind of surprised that you went this way because, you know, I thought a lot of people were still in on Kevin Aguilar as a knockout threat here. And I, I really like Charles Rosa's grappling here. I, I think the fact that he tapped out a much bigger Manny Bermudez bodes well. You know, like, I see Kevin Aguilar as the striker, but, you know, he's not the striker Kevin or Shane Burgos was, right? Like, he's not going to knock him out like Shane Burgos. So I, I'm going to go with Charles Rosa, too. I'm going to say he gets the sub, though. And that's going to do it for the end of our very first round. We're going to take a quick break, talk to our sponsors, and we'll be right back with round number two. Another quick word here from Maroon Social. Not only can you log your training sessions with Maroon Social, but you are also able to log your competitions. It is an awesome way to remember how you did in past competitions, remembering your submissions and whether or not you meddled, all kinds of things like that. Plus, you can put pictures on there and tag friends who went to the competition with you. So make sure that you download the Maroon Social app wherever it is you download apps so that you can keep your own personal little record. And we are back with round number two. I'm going to put another five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Julia Avila versus Gina Mazzani. Julia Avila won her UFC debut all the way back in July of 2019 against Panny Kianzad. Gina Mazzani was 1-3 in, in the UFC before she was released. She picked up a first-round knockout in King of the Cage over an aging veteran, Valley Barney, in her return. And now she's being hired on short notice to take on Julia Avila. So... Mazzani, let's talk about her, her first hit in the UFC. She had a little bit of trouble with some bigger bantamweights. Some people were physically stronger with than her, like, you know, Macy Chiasan and, and Sarah McMahon. Does Avila fit that bill enough to be a concern here for Danger Mazzani? Oh, absolutely. I, I think Avila is not only fast, but she's super aggressive. And she sets up her combinations very, very nicely. And we've seen Gina Mazzani struggle with that kind of opponent before. So that's why when I saw that she was re-signed to the UFC to take on a Julia Avila, I was like, oh, man, this is almost like a, a lamb being led to slaughter in some kind of way. Because when Avila got signed to the UFC, it was almost like a breath of fresh air for that weight class. She is that kind of fighter that exactly what we were talking about with Kevin Aguilar, where she has hype behind her for a very specific reason. Avila, Avila is nasty, okay? And I don't think that she's going to struggle in any way against someone like Mazzani. As you pointed out when you introduced her, she got a first-round knockout, but it was over an aging veteran. Avila is not that kind of person. I think Mazzani is going to really have some big struggles in this fight. Yeah, and I think you're, you're 100% right. Her power is definitely there. And I think people, too, underrate her strength in the clinch. I think when you see her in oh, the yeah. clinch and somebody goes to take her down, you can see how powerful Julia Avila is. And, and it's worth noting, too, when you look back at her record, I think she's 7-1 or one and 8-1. and one. That mm -hmm. one loss is when she broke her own hand on somebody else's skull. She punched her so hard she broke her own hand. So, like... Her only loss is just because she punches so damn hard. So, you know, given those facts that she's so physically strong that she had a full camp for this, uh, I don't see this going any other way than her probably piecing up Gina Mazzani. I'm glad to see Mazzani back in here, but this is just a nightmare matchup. What do you got for an official prediction? Yeah, for me, it's probably going to be Avila by first round technical knockout. I, I think Mazzani is really going to struggle. And as you mentioned about the clinch work, I mean, either she's going to press you up against the cage, but you know you're going to be eating some knees and elbows for it. And I don't think Mazzani can withstand much of that for too long. So first round technical knockout for Julia Avila. 
I love it. All right, and that's going to bring us to our next one, which is Ryan Benoit versus Tyson Nam. So Ryan Benoit, after a two-year layoff, returned to the UFC, lost to Haile Alatang by decision, but that was up at Bantamweight. He's going to be fighting Tyson Nam, who's 0-2 in the UFC, with decision losses to both Sergio Pettis and Kai Kara France, who are quite high up in that division. So let's talk about Nam first. Nam is a guy who seems to live and die by those big shots, right, which is tricky in a division. Mm-hmm. That doesn't have many big shots, right? So here's the question. Is Benoit the type of guy he can land those on? You know what? He is, but that's the thing about this fight. I think both fighters are very frustrating in a sense that you never know what you're going to get. With Nam, he definitely looks for that one shot, and he'll just wait to counter, and that's what loses a bunch of his fights is that he doesn't come forward often. He'll just wait for that one big right hand or left and it just doesn't always work because we don't have much time for that once he has an opponent hurt he very rarely follows up and i think that's what is hurting him in in his ufc run but uh benoit i mean this is a guy that he can definitely get his shots on but benoit is not an easy easy task he definitely as frustrating as he can be he's not easy at all to deal with but i don't know we'll have to see with this one i think nam could definitely get his shots in but benoit He's known for his power and his aggression, so this could be a back-and-forth fight of the frustrating fighters for me. Yeah, and I think you're uh, totally right on this, is that both of them can be frustrating. Uh, My big concern for Benoit in all of his past fights has been his takedown defense. In all the Mm -hmm. fights he's lost, his takedown defense has looked pretty atrocious. Like, he gave up four takedowns to Haile Alatang. Brandon Moreno took him down at will, although that's, you know, a little bit more respectable because it's Brandon Moreno. You know, even if you go back further, he fought Freddie Serrano, who, you know, was a very quickly in the UFC, not for very long. And even in that win, he dropped five takedowns. I don't have to worry about that with Tyson Nam, right? Like, there's 0% chance that Tyson Nam goes for the takedown. So, I mean, like, it helps me lean a little bit more to Benoit. How about you? What's your official prediction on this one? Yeah, I definitely agree with you on the takedown thing. That's exactly what I wrote in my notes. I'm not super worried about it on either side. However, I will lean a little bit more towards Benoit just because he has the ability to finish and he will more than likely follow up if he has Tyson Nam hurt. So I'm just going to say Ryan Benoit you know what? Unanimous decision. I almost went knockout, but I, I don't think that Tyson Am is that easy to finish. So decision. Yeah, I'm going to go with decision too. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see a split decision because as you said, both of them can be incredibly frustrating and sometimes yes. that makes for a very hard fight to judge. But I, I'm going to go with Ryan Benoit as well. So that leaves us with two fights. Maybe we'll get some disagreement in the last round. But before then, we're going to take a quick break and talk to our sponsors. Just one more quick note here from Maroon Social, guys. One of the coolest parts about Maroon Social is they give you an update week to week, month to month, about whether or not you're training more or less than previously. It's a great way to make sure that if one of your goals is to train more and to work on things more often, to make sure that you're actually doing that. They've even got this innovative looking calendar that shows you how many hours you've been training on each day with circles of changing sizes. The the words are definitely not doing this justice. You gotta download it and try it for yourself. And you can do that wherever it is you download apps. Maroon Social. We are back with round number three. I'm going to put another five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Jordan Griffin versus Derek Miner. Uh, Jordan Griffin recently snapped a two-fight losing streak by putting TJ Brown out cold with a modified 
Uh, guillotine choke from bottom side control, which was one of the most bizarre things I've seen in a while. Derek Miner, 0-1 in the UFC with a loss only to the very impressive Grant Dawson. So, uh, interesting fact, this is actually the second time these two have fought. They fought in LFA 34 all the way back in March of 2018. It was an armbar victory for Jordan Griffin. Do you feel like there's enough different right now to predict anything different than Jordan Griffin by submission? I honestly can't pick it out. I'm, I'm very excited to see if this fight hits the ground, which I'm sure that it will. And, and now that Jordan Griffin is kind of riding the momentum of his first UFC win and he, having already met Derek Minner before in a cage, I just don't see how he doesn't do it again. I could definitely see him by submission. Yeah, and, and the thing for me, too, is that like while we're talking about the fact that Jordan Griffin is one and two, right? And and he just barely picked up that that submission from bottom control and maybe didn't even look that great against TJ Brown. He was taken down almost at will. He is mm-hmm. a guy who had a great grappling match that went to decision with Chaz Skelly. He is a guy who had a pretty decent fight with Dan Ige in his debut. So, you know, the fact that he fought guys like Dan Ige and Chaz Skelly, th- this is a step down from where he's been fighting. Even TJ Brown to now is probably a slight step down with Derek Minner. So, I like him here by submission. I like his chances to probably be the more dominant grappler. And I also think the other bonus here is that Minner is a willing grappler in this situation where it doesn't look like he will have to fight to turn this into a grappling match. Exactly. That's He's going to start off throwing a couple of punches before he inevitably shoots in. Uh, and I think that could be to the advantage of Jordan Griffin because you know he's game on the ground. He's done it before. So for me, this was probably the easiest pick on on the fight card to be quite honest and it's going to be Jordan Griffin by submission I I think he can definitely uh catch lightning in a bottle twice so I'm excited to see how this one plays out again likewise all right and that brings us to our very last fight on the card and that is of course Anthony Ivey getting his shot after accepting the short notice fight against Gerald Mirachart he is making his debut at eight and two coming off of five straight finishes. He's the 170-pound champ of both Fury FC and WXC. He's fighting Christian Aguilera, who is debuting at 13-6. and six. He most recently won a decision at LFA 81. So let's start by talking about Ivy. It's great that he got his opportunity after accepting that fight with Gerald Mearshart. Let, let's talk about his style. What do you know about Anthony Ivy? Anthony Ivy is certainly an explosive fighter. I think that he is... Typically a wrestler, he'll definitely set up those takedowns good and and, and uh, start unleashing some fury uh, on the ground. But he also has uh, some good knockout power. So I- I'm excited to see. He's one of those well-rounded fighters that he can get the fight done in any way that he'd like, whether that is, say, I think he had like a knee bar or something like that. Uh, then he had a crazy like knockout or head kick knockout or something like that. So Anthony Ivey, no matter where the fight goes, he's one of those guys that you really have to pay attention to because he's going to deliver. And I think he gets that done here against Christian Aguilera because I just think that he has such a big wave that he's riding on right now. I think he's currently on a four or five fight win streak with all of those coming by finish so far. So, I mean, it's hard to bet against that guy. Yeah, and if you look to, I'm so glad that you mentioned that he does have that like sort of, I don't know if it's a base because I, I do not know enough of his uh, you know, his lineage, so to speak. But I do know that he's got a wrestling base. And he, mm-hmm. he at least looks like he's got a wrestling base when he fights. And if you look at the people who's beaten Christian Aguilera, too, you'll see the name David Mishod in there, which maybe a lot of people don't know. 
But he's a guy from the MMA lab, or at least previously from the MMA lab. He might have been part of that exodus uh, out of the MMA lab recently. But it's a guy who's got really good wrestling. So if, if you look back at people who have a similar fight style to Anthony Ivey, they're some of the people who've given him trouble. Matt Salis has also given him trouble. That's a UFC guy who we know to have a pretty good wrestling base as well. So knowing those facts and knowing that Aguilera has had trouble with wrestlers in the past and knowing that Ivy is so deadly, even if it does stay to the feet. Yeah, I'm leaning Ivy too as well. It looks like we're going to go an even six for six. How do you see Ivy getting it done? Yeah, I'm going to go with a first round knockout. I think Christian Aguilera is probably going to struggle with the much longer and, and taller fighter. I think he's giving up quite a bit in, as far as inches goes and, and height and reach. I just don't see Christian Aguilera being able to close the distance and get any hits off on Ivy. So I'm going to say first round technical knockout by Ivy. I'm so glad he's going to get this chance. A lot of people should pay attention to him, by the way. Yeah, and I, I'm really glad that you mentioned, too, the size. I can't believe we almost went this, through this whole breakdown without talking about the size. But it is a 5-inch height advantage and a 3-inch three, three reach advantage, which is a little small considering it's 5 inches taller. But I also think he uses that length better, too. So, yeah, I think Ivy's definitely one to watch. And there you guys have it. Those are all six of the prelims that had been constantly changing. I want to thank Kristen King for joining me and dealing with these constantly changing prelims because it was pretty crazy this last week. Oh, absolutely. But you know, I love to do this stuff. So I was happy to do it with you. Well, thank you so much for coming on again. And we look forward to the next one.